Grandpa Hartman, my mom's dad, was uh, a man of great wisdom and and great knowledge. Very smart guy, had a lot of life uh, uh, life lessons to share, and had a lot of experiences in life, and and really was very wise with the way he dis- dispersed that information. Um, unfortunately, uh, as a as a child growing up, I didn't necessarily realize that I, I got to spend an awful lot of time with my grandfather. Uh, uh, he he was a farmer, and I spent a lot of time on the farm with him. But but as a child, I wasn't uh, wasn't aware that he was a gold mine of wisdom, a gold mine of uh, of knowledge that he could impart on me. It was it was only towards the end of his life, after I was an adult, after I had kids of my own, really the last four or five years that my grandfather lived, that I got to spend some some real quality time with him uh, at least once a year, uh, cutting wood for my mom and. Uh, and it was then that that I really appreciated the wisdom that he had. It was then that I began to understand what a treasure he was with the knowledge that that he had. Uh, we're going to uh, start a series today. It's going to kind of, kind of be where we're going to start today, actually finish just a little bit next week, and then have a couple weeks off, and then pick it back up after the first of the year. A study in the book of Psalms. Um, the book of Psalms is is a book that's not not unlike my grandfather, full of knowledge and full of wisdom, uh, a treasure trove of valuable insight for our lives if we're willing if we're willing to spend some time in it, if we're willing to let it speak to us, if we're willing to let God's voice uh, share that wisdom with us. One of the greatest attributes of the book is Psalms is that it speaks to us where we are. And so as we go through this study and we'll, we'll just be bouncing around in the book of Psalms and I will encourage you over the next month, a couple months to be, to just be open it up. Uh, 150 chapters. You can read three chapters a day or five chapters a day, excuse me, and, and have it read in a month's time or, or one or one and a half and have it read in a couple months. But you'll find the book of Psalms is just full of so much information and so much knowledge and so much help. For where we are, so much wisdom for the walk that we have in life. In fact, what you find in Psalms is you may be struggling. You, maybe you're struggling with life. You're having a difficult, difficult time. And you'll read a verse like this where it says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on the rock. Or maybe you'll be rejoicing and just feeling really good about your life. And, and you'll read this verse where it says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad it. Maybe you'll be convicted of your sin and, and really feeling down because of that conviction. And you'll read this verse, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe you'll be having doubts, unsure about what the, what, what the future holds. And you'll read, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Or maybe you'll have a spirit and attitude of worship and read, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. The book of Psalms is a world of wisdom for every season in life that you face, for everything that you go up against. One of the reasons the book is so powerful is that it is real. It's writers, which predominantly is David, the sons of Korah, and and, and a guy named Asheth. Uh, the, the writers pour out their hearts for God. Uh, for example, David often wrote Psalms when he was in his highest highs, when, when life was going perfect, when he was, 
He was feeling victory in, in his personal life, feeling victory as a, as a general, feeling victory as a king. And sometimes he wrote Psalms when he was at the lowest of his lows, when he was mired in self-loathing and self-pity, when he'd been convicted of the sin in his life. We see, we see the psalmist telling us about who God is, uh, rejoicing when we're rejoicing, crying when we're crying, hurting when we're hurting, and seeking God just as we seek Him. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd, I'd like you to turn to the book of Psalm. We're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start in Psalm chapter 1 and look at the verse. Like I said, we're going to start it today. We'll we'll finish it next week. Next week, we actually have our children's program, and we'll, we'll uh, uh, have just a short period to finish this after the program next week. So next week will be my shortest sermon ever, so plan to come for that. Uh, uh, as we finish this idea, if you have your Bible, turn to Psalms chapter one. It has short, six short verses. Let's just look at those verses and notice there, there's kind of two groups that he's talking about, two groups of people, and, and you'll figure that out pretty easily. Verse number one, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff uh, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We're going to look this morning. And two of the three things, uh, two or three main points that you see in our notes. Here's the, here's the first one. Blessed, we are blessed because we aren't. Now we're going to kind of go to the middle of the chapter and, and then work our way back to the start of the chapter. Look with me, if you will, in verse four and notice what it says. Uh, and, and this is in contrast to what it just said before. It finished in verse three by saying, whatever he does prospers, uh, Whatever the blessed man does prospers. And, and then he throws this in verse four. He says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows about. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Blessed are we because we aren't. Because we aren't the wicked. The, the, the Psalms tend to compare and contrast as as you walk through the book, uh, the, the wicked and the blessed, the, those seeking God and those not seeking God, those that, that are on the right path and those are, who are on the wrong path. The, the Hebrew word for wicked here is the word rasha. And at its root meaning, it has this idea of being loose or unstable. Now, now let me illustrate it this way by, by telling a story about my wife. Now, now the, 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 the word wicked has nothing to do with the story about my wife. I realized when I put that in, like, that's going to come across wrong. Uh, this is actually a very good story, very good story about my, my wife. But last, last Monday night, we met in Atchison. I was coming from Troy. Uh, she was coming when she got off work. We met at Walmart, I don't know, about six o'clock. We bought some stuff at Walmart. Then we went and got something to eat and we, we went home. Uh, we pulled in. I followed her and I pulled in behind her. We put all the stuff in my car in the trunk of my car. And so so I got out of my car about the same time she was getting out of hers. I walked around to the back of my car, to the trunk, to 
to, to get the stuff. I'd already popped the trunk, and I turned the corner at the back of my trunk, and and my feet went out from underneath me. There was a sheet of ice there where it rained the day before and melted a low spot, and it was just ice. And I, my feet flew up, and I, boom, down on the ice. Now I want to point this out so you know what a beautiful, caring, loving, wonderful woman she is. She did not laugh. <laughs> now I was flat looking up at the stars. So I couldn't see her face. So maybe, maybe it was a, it was a struggle, but she did walk up to me. Are you, are, now I'm laughing. Are, are you okay? Are you hurt? And, and I assured her that nothing hurt. I was fine. And, uh, uh, I, I, I got up, which wasn't an easy task. And, and you know what? I, I'll let you know. She did not laugh until we got in the house. She, she held her composure all that time. Now, now the point of comparing that to wickedness, the, 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 the Hebrew word there, um, the Hebrew word there means unstable or loose. It really has somewhat of that idea of me stepping onto that ice where, where it was unstable, or at least my footing was unstable and loose. When you step on something, uh, slick, you're unstable. I would imagine over the last week or two when we've had these uh, snowstorms that some of you have done exactly what I've done. Anyone uh, hit the turf? There you go. Was Jason around? Okay. <laughs> he didn't tell you, so uh, you wouldn't laugh. Don, you fell down? Did anyone laugh at you? Okay. You what? Okay. Did you look to make sure no one was watching? That's what I do when I fall usually. But uh, so, so this idea of, of of slipping and sliding, this idea of unbeing uh, of being unstable. So Raja has this idea of being loose and unstable. Now, obviously, not literally physically with our feet, but but with our morals, and more importantly, the idea of being loose and unstable with our relationship with God. So. We see the word wicked and we want to think, okay, that's the worst of the worst. Those are the, 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 the really dredges of society. And it's not really saying that. It really is saying someone that's just loose with God, someone that's not choosing God, someone that's not letting God affect their attitude and their actions and their responses, their words, their thoughts, their very being. See, when we're close to God, and that's, that's who he starts off with, blessed is the man. When we're close to God, he becomes our our anchor. He becomes the one that keeps us from being loose. Now, as soon as I fell after I got up and realized that, hey, nothing was wrong, first thing I did was go into the garage and get some ice melt and spread it on that ice for two reasons, to, to melt it and secondly, to have some traction because I still had to get in the trunk and get the stuff. And Rita wasn't going to do it after she saw what I did. So so being close to God, uh, being blessed actually gives us a, a traction in life. We might we might look at this idea and realize that the the wicked has a couple things. First of all, the wicked, and, and we tie this from verse 3, the wicked has no prosperity. Look at the end of verse 3, talking about the blessed man said, whatever he does prospers. And then he starts verse 4 and, and, and ties that together and says, not so the wicked. So really what he's saying there is the that the wicked doesn't have prosperity. He he describes it this way. It's like chaff that's that blows in the wind. So so for them it would have been a literal mental picture of a farmer out taking the crop, the 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 uh, the weed or barley or whatever it might be and throwing it up in there to let the wind blow the chaff away and separate the good 
from the bad. And for, for us, it would be, if we were to put it in today's vernacular, it would be the idea of watching a combine go through a field. And if you've ever sat and watched that as the combine goes through a field and plows through and takes out the grain, the, the good stuff, the stuff that has value and purpose in life ends up in the hopper. Hopefully it's clean and there's nothing in it, but, but out of the back of the combine comes the stuff that has no value. The, the leftovers, the, the chaff, the stuff that, that isn't important. Uh, the writer here says the wicked is like the, the chaff. When you're unstable with God, when you're loose with God, when you're, you're not anchored with God, then, then you're what comes out of the back of of a combine, there's no prosperity there. Now, now there's one problem here. When, when, when I get that connection that, that the wicked will not prosper, uh, kind of a red flag pops up and I begin to think, but is that true? Several years ago, it's probably been 10, 15 years ago, Reed and I, and, and we actually had this happen several times, but we, we were in Southern California. Her mom lived in, uh, south of LA and, and it was a Sunday morning, and we were having breakfast at a restaurant called the Jolly Roger. The Jolly Roger sits right, right on the Long Beach Harbor. Uh, and, and so we had gone to a early service at church and and went to have a late breakfast at the Jolly Roger. Uh, and we're sitting there literally right next to the harbor, and our window from our, our booth looks out over the harbor. And we're watching as uh, as small little sailboats, uh, as well as these huge ocean going vessels are going in and out of the harbor, going out to the Pacific and coming in from, from the Pacific in back into the Long Beach Harbor. And, and it's just an idyllic view, kind of an idyllic morning as we're, we're enjoying our breakfast. And I don't know why it popped in my head, but, but I was sitting there watching all these people, all these boats, all these, these million and multi-million dollar boats go up and down this harbor. And it struck me. You know what? I bet none of those people went to church today. Maybe they were looking at those restaurant folks and think, man, none of them went to church. But, and, and I'm making an assumption there. Maybe they went to church the night before. Maybe, maybe they were all believers and this was the one week out of the year that they skipped church to go sailing. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was wrong to make that assumption, but, but it just hit me that, you know what, I bet most of those people going in and out of that harbor on their, their valuable pieces of equipment aren't believers. And, and so, so sometimes we get this impression, we, 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 we see from the passage here that it seems to say that the wicked won't prosper, but, but is that, is that what life shows us? See, sometimes life shows us exactly the opposite. If you have your Bibles, hold, uh, Psalm 1 open and flip back to Psalm chapter 73. This is the Psalm of, of Asaph. And, and maybe it says what you sometimes think. It certainly says what I was thinking that day. Psalm chapter 73 says, uh, says this, starting with the first verse. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, it's one of these moments where he was struggling. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, now didn't, didn't he just say that the wicked won't prosper? And, and now we're saying, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued, uh, plagued by human ills. Don't we sometimes 
Don't we sometimes end up thinking that way? I know I do sometimes. I, I look at my life and I say, man, I am trying to do it right. I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to make sure, sure I'm living by his word and honoring him with my life. And sometimes I look at ones that aren't the, the ones who are loose with their relationship with God. And, and it seems like everything's going good for them. It seems like they are prospering. It seems like, man, they have no cares in the world. That's what the psalmist is saying here, but notice what he says, and he kind of ties it in and brings it back to, to purpose. Notice what he says later in the chapter, verses 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me. So, so church, sometimes we, we look at our world, and we look at maybe our own lives, and we're saying, man, I'm trying to do it the right way, and I am, I am faced with only difficulty. I'm faced with troubles. I'm faced with hardship. Man, man, life is just bearing down on me. And it's not for those. Why? That's not right. But verse 17, he says there, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. See, that's really what he's talking about. It's what he's really talking about there back in chapter 1 when he says that there's no prosperity. There's no prosperity for the wicked. And, and really we see that because the wicked, the wicked have no promise. Look at verse five and the end of verse six and notice what it says about promise there. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And the end of verse six, but the way of the wicked will perish. There is no promise for those. There's no promise for those who are loose with God. There's no prosperity in their promise. I don't do this very often, but it's probably been maybe a season or two ago, I was watching Dancing with the Stars with Rita. Now, I don't do that very often because I don't really like that that show that much, and Rita hates when I watch Dancing with the Stars with her because I make comments and and I'm cynical and I, I, you know, just... And then I ask this question, who's they? Who's that person? Why are they famous? Because a lot of these people, I don't know why they're stars. And she can't tell me why they're stars either. And that just frustrates her. So so she doesn't like to watch it with me. We were watching together one night. Maybe I'd walked in the room and there was someone dancing away. And and as they danced, I was I was seeing mistake after mistake after mistake. Man, they were messing up as far as I was concerned. They they weren't on the same beat. They 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 were doing all this stuff wrong. And and when when they finished and they walked up to the judges, the judges they just couldn't they just couldn't stop gushing over how well they did. Man, when it came time to give them grades, they they were nines and tens. And I'm like, did you did you see the same dance I saw? See see, here's the problem. I see with a different eye. Now now the truth is, my eye is completely untrained, right? Completely. And uh, I don't know what I'm watching, so and I really don't care that much, to be honest. But, see, God is going to judge us from a different eye. God judges on a different scale. See, the world judges uh, our, our, our value on our wealth, on our prestige, on our accomplishments, on, on the things that we do that we can, that we can put a, a hand on. But God simply judges by a simple question, do you know? Jesus. See, that's how God judges. Do, do you know my son? Did you follow him? Did you serve him? Did you live like him? Did you love like him? Did you honor him? And, and for everyone that, 
that says, I, I serve like Jesus. They, they go over here and, and the rest of the world doesn't have a promise. They don't get to stand with the righteous. And so that's why he says, he says, uh, uh, that, that there's no prosperity because there's no promise. See, we are blessed if we aren't, if we aren't the wicked. We are blessed because we don't. Notice what he says. We'll, we'll look just at verse one here. Notice what he says in verse one. Blessed is the man. And he, he walks through three different things. They're really all kind of the same thing. It's all a very similar picture that they would have saw in their minds. He says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners or does not sit in the seat of mockers. They would have, they, they would have figured this out that what he was talking about is, is these are people who don't participate. These are ones that aren't participating in a certain thing. See, the Jew of the day, the, the Jew of the day would have understood this visual and practical image that the psalmist was painting. They would have known what he was talking about was the city gate. See, at the, at the city gate of every city, the, the elders of the city would gather, the, the wise men, the, the learned, the prosperous, the, the, the ones who had power and influence and authority, they would meet at the city gates. It was kind of, kind of like if you met at the beauty shop or the barber shop or, or wherever people might get together and, and share their, their knowledge and pontificate about life. But, but that's what would happen in the, in the cities. The, the people that, that were in the know that had power and authority would gather at the city, city gates and talk. And, and there was always really two groups that were there. There were the, the inner circle, the ones that had all the knowledge and all the power, they would sit on an inner circle and on the outside of the circle would be the wannabes, the ones that would hope to someday be invited into that circle. So, so what the psalmist says here, blessed is the man who sees that and doesn't want that. He sees that, but he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't walk with those people. The truth is, a those learned people, those wise men, those powerful people would oftentimes gather people around them. They would take a young protege under their arm and, and they literally would walk through the city streets and share their knowledge and wisdom with them. And, and so the writer's saying, blessed if you're not under the counsel of that kind of person. You're not walking through the streets listening to their truth and to what they're saying. And, and, and then he says, or stand in the way of sinners, the people that that wanted to be a part of the group stood on the outside and as these, as these wise and learned men would talk about the affairs of the day and, and would pontificate about all of life, they would stand on the outside looking in. And then he said, blessed if you don't sit in the seat of mockers. See, on the inside was the ones of power sitting down talking about life. They, they would have understood what Paul or what, uh, what the, the, uh, the psalmist was referring to they would have realized that he was referring to God's command for Israel to stay away from from those type of people if you have your Bibles keep Psalms open but flip back to the book of Deuteronomy in in Deuteronomy which means second law this is kind of the second time that that he went through the law in Deuteronomy um, uh, Moses shares this with the this wisdom with us and we're gonna look at a few verses there starting with verse one in chapter six he says These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you 
to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So he's talking about when you go in and take take uh, take the promised land, when you go in and, and drive out the people and own the land. He, he talks about what they need to do. Verse 2 says this, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that you may go, that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers promised you. Now, now you're probably familiar with these verses. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to, are to be upon your hearts. Now notice what he says then down in verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 13, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. They, They would have connected those two thoughts they would have understood when when he's saying the the blessed man does not sit in the council doesn't walk with the council doesn't doesn't stand with sinners doesn't sit in the seat of mockers they would understand he was was tying these two thoughts and these two ideas together that the blessed man that the blessed man does not participate now now, it's important that we don't misunderstand. God was calling Israel to, to be separate from and, and, and to not participate in certain things. But, but And maybe this lesson is more for the church today than it was even for Israel at that time. Don't misunderstand. We are not called to disassociate from. We are not called to pull ourselves away from. In fact, In fact, Jesus was often ridiculed by the religious leaders of his day in in kind of a unique way because he participated with people that they didn't think he should now it wasn't the the leaders that he was participating with he was hanging with the low lives and the lowly and the struggling and the sinners and the outcast and they mocked him oftentimes because he hung around them we are called we are called then not to disassociate from society not to pull ourselves away but not to be moved by society. See, we're called to not mimic what our world shows us. When our boys were uh, were fairly young, uh, I think Brian, our oldest, was maybe 10 or 11 years old, we went to Colorado Springs. Uh, as part of that trip and the number of things we did, we went to uh, to the Air Force uh, Academy. And uh, and some people had suggested going there and go through the chapel, and, and it was beautiful. And they suggested make sure that you're there at noon when the cadets all march into the the square in the middle and get ready for for for, for going to their lunchtime. And so we were there, standing outside, looking down over that uh, 
the, that square as the cadets started coming in, and it was amazing to watch them as they they marched in in precision as they gathered together and they marched out. It was it was just amazing to watch the precision and and, and just the the beauty of what they were doing. When, when we finished watching that and they were gone, dispersed, we got ready to leave and we looked up and saw our oldest, Brian. Like I said, he was 10 or 11 years old and he was walking away from us and he was walking just like those cadets. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't remember the exact, but you know, he had his arms stiff and his back straight as he never had before. And he was marching just like he was one of those cadets. He was mimicking what they were doing. He trying to be exactly like they were. This idea of being blessed if we don't is calling us to not want to be like the world. The Deuteronomy passage warns Israel to not be like the people of the land. And it's warning us to not let our world define us, to guide us, for us to not walk in the council or stand with sinners or sit with mockers the application then for us is a simple one when we face peer pressure at every level when we are encouraged to buy into the world's definition of of success when we're afraid to stand up against sin we are called to push that aside and be strong with our walk with the lord tony snow uh, some of you might be familiar with who he is Tony Snow was a journalist, a conservative journalist, a TV personality, a, a commentator, and and for a few years he was press secretary for George W. Bush back in the early 2000s. Uh, Tony Snow was uh, was all of those things, but the most important uh, this descriptive word about him was that he was a committed Christian. In an interview that he did with Christianity Today, Christianity Today, he talks about the struggle and the difficulty that he faced in trying to be a Christian in Washington, D.C. He talked about the powers that were continually pulling at him, pulling him one direction and another away from his walk with the Lord and, and how often he was presented with opportunities to, to deny his faith. But Snow, in that article, goes on to talk about the biggest battle that he faced. And, and it wasn't with the powers uh, uh, of, of Washington, D.C., but, but with the battle that he faced with cancer. So he was diagnosed with colon cancer, and the diagnosis was terminal. And in this article, he talks about how he tried to be a blessing to his children. And even in the midst of this turmoil to teach them, that life was more than what was going on around them, that to live for the Lord was what was most important for them. He says in this article, through, through such trials, God bids us to choose. Do we believe or do we not? Will we be bold enough to love, daring enough to serve, humble enough to submit, and strong enough to acknowledge our limitations? Can we surrender our concern in things that don't matter so we might devote our remaining days to the things that do? Blessed. Blessed, if you want. Man, blessed are we if we're not on, on, on shaky ground, 
And as believers in Christ, we are, are on the solid rock. Blessed if we don't. Blessed if we don't turn to the world and let the world define us and, and encourage us and, and are drawn to the world. But if we stand for the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can have such encouragement and knowledge that you are with us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power of the book of Psalms, for the, the, the messages, the teaching that is there. Father, today we ask that you will help us live blessed lives. Blessed, Father, when we realize that we are on strong ground with you, that we are on solid rock when we serve you. Father, help us be blessed in what we don't do. Father, bless as we serve you and walk away from the, the things of this world to seek you and to live for you. Father, guide us and give us wisdom in a world that's trying to pull us apart. In the world that wants to define what you would have us do, Father, help us always to seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?